Luke 15, 1 through 2 says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, last week, we talked about these verses. We talked about how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these religious professionals, religious elites, were frustrated, not, not as much by, about who Jesus was. Honestly, not very much frustrated by what Jesus taught, though there were times of conflict. In this particular passage, what we see is that the Pharisees are upset with Jesus, not necessarily for who he is, they're frustrated with, by Jesus, by who he welcomes to the table. So it is kind of like what they're looking at is Jesus becomes guilty by association, by associating with what they're called here, these sinners and these tax collectors. So we have these four different people. We have Pharisees and teachers of the law. And we've talked about these people in the past, these religious elites, these leaders, these teachers who had gone to a lot of extremism. In, in ways, really, to, to pump up their own righteousness and their own level of authority by diminishing others who couldn't possibly live up to their standards. And so then what we end up with, we end up with these two other groups. We end up with what we call sinners who were kind of a general collection of people, a general category of people who struggled to stay within these impossible boundaries that these Pharisees and the teachers of the law had created for their own righteousness. Well, when we talked about it last week, as I said, it's easy to think of others as unclean when you set the rules. Now let that sit for a minute and think about that. It's easy to see others as unclean, as imperfect when you set the rules. And that's what the Pharisees had done. That's what we become in danger of doing sometimes with our faith and our religion. But there's a different way to live as Jesus talks about here. Now, the other side of the coin, we have these tax collectors who were people from the local community. They collected taxes for the conquering Romans. And it's kind of surprising. It really is quite shocking that Jesus hung out with them. These people were known for injustice. They skimmed off the top of the taxes they collected, sometimes collecting more than they needed to to enrich their lifestyle so that they really perfected the art of injustice. And so there's this really interesting dynamic taking place here that Jesus is looking at these people and he changes their hearts in such a, such a fascinating way. He calls out these Pharisees, these teachers of law on a regular occasion, but he invites these people, the, these people who are struggling in, the, in sin, these people who are struggling with the reality of being people of injustice, he invites them in and he changes them. He changes them through his compassion, through his grace, and through his mercy. He changes them as they begin to see a different way to live life. But what's fascinating about this is as he invites them in, it ticks off these Pharisees and these teachers of the law. I love the word that Luke uses here, and the way it's translated is that the teachers of the law, these Pharisees, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I don't know what they sounded like. I don't know, but I, I have a sense when I hear the word muttered, I kind of know what that sounds like. It sounds to me like some whispers. It sounds to me like a sense of anger and entitlement. It sounds to me like the way sometimes when we gossip about others. Huh. This man, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So these people were treated horribly by the Pharisees, by the teachers of the law. But Jesus treated them differently. 
Jesus treated these tax collectors, these sinners differently. He ate with them. And after hearing the whispers of distaste at his approach, the way that these Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, he told this parable or story. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need not repent. Now, last week, we talked about how the only thing different about this sheep then the 99 sheep was that this one sheep was lost. And last week I said, imagine hearing that as one of the tax collectors or the sinners. As Jesus tells this story, imagine being judged harshly by the Pharisees, by the teachers of the law. Imagine their eyes burning into your back as you're sitting with Jesus. You can feel their sense of judgment. And then Jesus says, hey, the only difference, the only difference between these, the only categorical difference is that this one sheep was lost. And now it's back with the 99, and there is no difference here anymore. And I think this parable was taught by Jesus for their sake and for their ears. He was saying, you are the lost sheep, and I have found you. You can hear his grace. You can hear his mercy. You can hear his forgiveness. And when you experience grace and mercy and forgiveness like that, wouldn't you want to change? Wouldn't you want to live your life in a brand new and in a different way? See, that's what Jesus did. As he showed this grace, as he showed this compassion, as he showed this love, he invited others to experience life like that. He was life-giving. Jesus reminded them like the sheep that they didn't have to earn God's love like they were taught. They didn't have to earn Jesus' respect like they expected. They were the ones being sought out. They were the ones being looked for. They were the ones who were celebrated because they found they were being welcomed into a banquet, into a party, into a celebration of God's love and grace. Again, they're welcomed in. They're welcomed into a banquet, into a party. This is a celebration taking place. I think this is so important for us to see. This is not sinners downcast, walking in depressed, but excitedly realizing they belong. They belong with Jesus. Made me some, think of something that my dad said, my dad who passed away a couple weeks ago. My dad had said that when he goes to heaven, he said, you know, people always say things like, well, Peter's going to welcome you to the gates and he's going to welcome you in. And my dad told me, he said, no, I'm just going to shove him out of the way because he doesn't get to welcome me in. Jesus has already welcomed me in. He said, I'm going to go running straight to Jesus. And that's the picture here that we have is these people getting to run straight to Jesus. Nobody blocking their way, nobody getting in the way, nobody checking their credentials, just simply saying, come on in. Now, after that, Jesus told another parable, another story. And this one was not about a lost sheep, but about a lost coin. And in this story, we find another challenge to the way that we see ourselves and the way we see those around us. And we receive an invitation to join God in his expansive love that celebrates the lost being found. Listen to this second parable from Luke 15. Luke 15. 
Jesus said, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I have to be honest with you. I am famously inept at losing my keys or my wallet. If it, Are you okay? Sorry. <laughs> I think there was a fly. We have a couple flies on here, and I think, I think Jill just took one out. So maybe you didn't hear that, but I heard that. It's... <laughs> And I would think we're just all laughing. Um, what'd you say? <laughs> she said, sorry. She said, you mean sorry? <laughs> we, so, so I am famously inept at losing my wallet. I'm famously inept at losing my keys. It happens all the time. I mean, this, this, is, this goes all the way back to when I was a kid. It goes back into high school. One of the funniest stories I have is our band was practicing one time, and we were at this place, this rehearsal space, and I couldn't find my keys, and we were looking all over. I mean, it must have been like an hour and a half that we were searching for the keys. Now, this is like the the kind of like not quite mid-90s, but getting getting into the later 90s. And so, you know, we had our jeans, and it's hard today because the camera only comes up here. But on my jeans, my pockets were, you know, pretty low. This is kind of in the Jinkos day. They weren't Jinkos, but they were, they, they were pretty big, and the pockets were almost down to my ankles. And, you know, we're just kind of like looking for stuff, can't find anything. And finally, our bass player kicks me right in the pants, and he's like, and he hears this jingle, and he goes, dude, they're in here your pants, your keys are in your pocket. Now you would think that if styles changed, as we didn't have pockets that you know were halfway across the room, that we would be able to find things a lot easier. But I continue to this day to lose my wallet, to lose my keys, and it gets kind of frustrating here around the house. So Jill and I were trying to head out of the house on Wednesday of this week, and five minutes before we were to leave, I'm looking around and I go to the spot where I know I had put my wallet. And of course it wasn't there. So I slowly begin to walk around. So this is kind of how this usually operates is I begin to look around and I begin to take my time and I look in all the places that my wallet or my keys are supposed to be. And maybe you do this too. Maybe you're just like me and you kind of walk around and you look and you're trying not to make a lot of noise. You don't want to like become too uh, obvious of what you're doing, right? Because you're embarrassed you lost it. You don't want to cause a confrontation. So you're just kind of looking around. And then I begun to get a little more frantic because I start to think about, oh no, what are we going to do? We're not going to make it. Or I lost my wallet. Somebody's got my Discover card. Somebody's got this. Somebody, you know, I'm thinking, oh no, I'm in big trouble, right? And, and then all of a sudden, you know, Jill begins to notice. She says, you, did you lose something? I said, I can't find my wallet. It's gone, right? I'm looking all over the place. And she has this way. I, I don't know how she does it. I had checked my desk. I had checked my dresser. I had checked the dining room. And then she finds it. She goes to the exact place where it was. It had fallen off the dresser. It had fallen under the bed. And it was just sitting right there. But now you've probably felt this panic. You've probably had a frantic pace like this. And I think this is what this woman in this parable is experiencing. See, we've all been there. We've all thought to ourselves, where did it go? I know I had it. It's got to be around here somewhere. And, and as we begin to think about it and we begin to think about how important it is to us, we can't find it. We begin to get frantic. We begin to get scared. We begin to get upset. We begin to wonder, where is this? So this woman, she lights a lamp. She sweeps the house. She looks all over the place to find this lost coin. 
Now, for me, when I lost my wallet, I was worried about things, like I said, like debit cards and credit cards and my license. But look, in this world today, all of those things are replaceable. All of those things can be turned off and on with a switch on the internet. But for this woman, losing one of her silver coins would have been devastating to her well-being. And that seems confusing us. They're just silver coins, right? And I want you to imagine, I want you to, uh, to try to get a glimpse of this world a little bit that she's living in. Because I think this is important for us. She turns on the light, the lamp. She uses fuel to light this lamp, and we'll get to that in a second. She begins to sweep the floor. Now, in these houses, you would have had cracks in the floor. And these coins could have easily fallen and gone into those cracks. So, you know, she is, she is down there looking, trying to see in these cracks. And the light isn't great because of the way the houses are built, the windows, all of that. You, you can't see a whole lot. So you just wonder, is she even scraping her finger along trying to find it? She's sticking things down in these cracks trying to find what she had lost. But why does it matter? You know, the story says it's just a silver coin. Now, my dad carried a change purse, and we found this change purse, and it just kind of cracked me up the other day as I thought about it. It was just this little change purse. He would, he would click like this, and it would open up, and he put pennies in it. He put dimes in it. He put quarters in it, and, and I can imagine him. I can see him pulling that thing out, opening it up, reaching in, taking a penny, and handing it to the girls to throw in a fountain because he, he would do this all the time. But the coins that he kept in that chain, change purse, they, they weren't really that important. Kind of feel like if he had lost his change purse, he would have been bummed out because he loved that thing and he loved putting all his change in it and not having it loose in his pockets. But the coins weren't really that important to him. They're nothing like the coins of the woman that we're looking at in this story. See, for her, these coins that we're talking about in this story had huge financial, sentimental, and societal value for this woman. See, they, they, weren't, they, they weren't just coins. They, they had huge financial implication for her. They, they weren't just a coin. They were sentimental. They had meaning and value that went beyond just simply what they're worth. And they had a societal value to this woman. These coins were, were a reality that, that had an impact on her place in society in the ancient world. So losing even one of these coins would have been a crushing reality. For her. And I cannot emphasize that enough. Losing just one of these coins impacted her, not just in one way, but in three very specific ways. They impacted her future. They, they, they impacted her and the way that she thought about her life. They impacted the way that others looked at her. These coins were significant in her life. And the reason for that is that the, the word that they used here for coin is drachma. And one drachma was one day's wage. And rather than the bank holding her savings for her, she wore this around her head or her neck. This seems odd to us, but this was actually normal in the ancient world because the coin in this parable would have been a part of the woman's dowry as a part of her marriage. And that's what we begin to see as we begin to peel back the layers on this, as we begin to be aware that these are 10 coins, as we begin to see that they're part of a, that they're called a drachma. And what would happen is she would have taken these coins and she would have strung these together. They would have formed as a kind of headdress that she would have placed around her head. 
And so these coins uh, were a day's wage. And so they were her savings. They were her life. They were, they, think about that. I mean, that is significant in the ancient world. 10 days worth of work. And she would have worn this around on her head. Each coin strung together, forming a headdress that she would wear all the time. So if one of the coins was missing, her entire savings was gone. And if one of them went missing, and this is critical here, her headdress was incomplete. Now let's back up because this matters. The idea of incompletion, this headdress, this marital dowry that she had would have been incomplete. See, in the parable about the lost sheep, the sheep wandered away on its own, right? But in this story, in this parable, the woman lost the coin. See, how could she carelessly lose something that had that much value? You can almost imagine the women in the crowd reaching up and checking their own headdresses to feel that all their coins are there. It's the same way when you talk about someone losing their keys, everybody kind of checks and makes sure I got my keys. They kind of check, make sure they got their wallet. They check the, their watch and and they have their wedding ring, and you know, do I have everything that I'm supposed to have? Do I have all those things? And you can imagine as Jesus is telling the story, people are reaching up and touching, do I have all my 10 coins? Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. She loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Doesn't she sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And the answer is yes to all of these rhetorical questions. But the most important part of the question might be about the lamp. See, lamp fuel was expensive. You were very cautious about when and for how long you lit a lamp. Yet look at this, look at this. She lights a lamp, which, which means this is so critical for us. She is spending money to find money. It doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. She's spending money to find money. But when you think about it this way, it begins to make sense. She is using limited resources to find something that has unlimited value. So she's using her limited resources and lighting that lamp to find this coin that to her, because of all these different reasons, has unlimited value. Because it is part of a whole. It makes something complete. See, and this is where the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, would be challenged in how they're looking at people. It's the challenge that Jesus gives to us. The whole is incomplete if even one of the coins is missing. Jesus is telling us to use every resource we have to seek out lost people in our world. And we don't get to place value on others. All of humanity matters and has value in the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus begins to challenge us here. You can imagine these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, listening to this. They don't get to place the value here. And I'm sure the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, would have immediately felt the power of this parable. See, there's a second piece here that's so important. Women in the ancient world were looked down upon. So the Pharisees probably scoffed. They probably laughed at how careless she had been that she had lost this. But the punchline to the parable would have shown their hypocrisy. 
15, 9 through 10. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together. Says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And then Jesus says, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And what I imagine here is happening, we've all been in a situation like this, is they're all laughing. Jesus makes the punchline. And you can almost imagine the faces of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, recognizing their own hypocrisy in that moment. Maybe they're uncomfortable. Maybe they're angry. Maybe they're frustrated. Maybe some of them walk out of the room because of the embarrassment. When they realize that the sinners, the tax collectors that Jesus has invited in, he's saying, look, the kingdom of God is incomplete. We don't welcome all into this banquet. We don't welcome everyone into this party. He said, it is incomplete without these people. And how does that make all of us feel? What he's saying is, the kingdom of God is incomplete without you. That that there is something that happens when you decide to follow Jesus, when you join this journey. I talked about it before, that we're exploring the way of Jesus together. We're walking down this road together. We're on this road together. We're not alone. We're in one great big band of people walking together. And it's not the same without you there. And this is supposed to remind us of our value, but it's supposed to remind us also of the value that we place on others around us. What Jesus is saying is that we should be doing on earth what is happening in heaven. The coins that Jesus talked about in this parable had two sides like our coin. In the same way that the Pharisees believed there were two sides to God's creation, heaven and earth. They believed the closest place, now listen to this, the Pharisees believed the closest place to earth was the temple. But listen what Jesus says. Jesus is telling them in this parable of the closest you can get to heaven is when you have a great big party celebrating lost people being found. That's what Jesus is telling them. Look, this woman lost this coin and she began to look for it. She found it. And when you find that coin, when the, when the thing that is now incomplete becomes complete again because that coin has been found, it, she rejoices in such a way that it is a metaphor, it reflects the way that heaven rejoices when a lost person is found and comes to Jesus. That's awesome. That's exciting. And Jesus is saying that celebration, celebration doesn't take place at the temple that the Pharisees and the laws, Pharisees and teachers of the law used to exclude others. He says, no, 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 no. That, that celebration happens anywhere in everyone with anyone and everyone who comes to faith in Jesus. That celebration happens in home. That celebration happens at work. That celebration could happen anywhere. Celebration could happen at a pool, in a baptism, in the middle of a neighborhood. This is the celebration that Jesus is talking about. And so the question that we have that we have to ask ourselves is that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had to ask themselves. Are we celebrating like that? Are we viewing ourselves and others like that? Do we see that the whole is incomplete even if only one person is missing? 
Do we have a, a missional approach to our world like that? Do we look at those around us and say, this is incomplete because someone is missing? Will we do whatever it takes? Will we use our limited resources to reach people with unlimited value? Will we do that? And will we celebrate when someone chooses to follow Jesus into the way of life? What a powerful story to remind us today. That we are at a banquet table. We have been invited. We are welcomed into that place. And then Jesus is saying, I want you to continue to look out the doors and the windows, into the streets, into the community, into the neighborhood, into your families. And I want you to continue to recognize that this table is incomplete until every seat is filled. And the beautiful thing about that is that table continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger as we invite others. It never runs out of room. It is never completely full. There is always an empty chair for someone to come and sit. So the question I have for you, is that you today? Will you choose today to follow Jesus? Will you choose today to see that he is looking at you and saying, hey, this is incomplete without you. I want you to be in this party with us. Or maybe for you, the challenge for you is how are you looking at those around you? Are you inviting others into this banquet? Do you see that unlimited value that others have? Will you use every resource you have to reach them? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this story, for this parable that reminds us of our own value and the value of others around us. Lord, may we learn to celebrate and invite and search and seek using all the resources around us, doing everything we can to bring others to you. God, for those listening today who made a decision to follow you, God, we celebrate. Father, we celebrate because there is one more at the banquet table. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. It's your name that we pray. Amen.